Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Strength and Numbers. I'm Brandon Cadiz, and for the first time in the Steve Kerr era, the Golden State Warriors are down 0-2 in a playoff series. Folks, that is not a typo. I did not misread that. The Golden State Warriors, for the first time since Steve Kerr took the job as Golden State Warriors head coach, they are down 0-2 in the playoff series, and that is courtesy of the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings, the third seed. Golden State Warriors, the sixth seed. They took both games and did what they needed to do at the Golden One Center. A very boisterous crowd. It was a hostile environment for this Golden State Warriors team. A lot of that crowd factor played into it, especially in game number two, where Draymond Green is now suspended for game number three. We'll touch on all of this. We'll break down what has happened so far in the series in this episode of Strength in Numbers. Let's jump right into this. The Golden State Warriors down 0-2 in the series. Draymond Green suspended for game number three after he was ejected in game number two with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Warriors were, were able to come back and tie it all up, knot it all up in the fourth quarter despite Draymond Green coming out. Uh, Kevon Looney and Draymond Green both in foul troubles in that game. Draymond with five and Kevon Looney with five to close it out. Warriors went with a small lineup and despite all of that, they were able to tie it up in the fourth quarter at one point, 95 to 95. Again, that Draymond Green ejection came in the seven minute point, around the seven minute point of that fourth quarter. And it all happened because Draymond Green and DeMontis Sabonis got tangled up. Sabonis fell to the floor. If you haven't seen the video, Sabonis grabbed Draymond's ankle. Draymond tried to break free of it. After he broke free, stomped down onto Sabonis. And that's when the stoppage of play was called. I think that was just a crucial point of the game because the Warriors we're definitely making a comeback at that point. 87 to 91. Andrew Wiggins just made a layup, a beautiful dime found there by uh, Draymond Green. And then you get the flagrant foul too at the 703 mark. That's when everything happened. And the Golden State Warriors lose 114 to 106. Again, Warriors were in there. Tied it all up at 95 to 95. And from that point on, the Sacramento Kings pulled away. Just some clutch buckets again by De'Aaron Fox, who won the first ever NBA Clutch Player of the Year award. We'll break down more of De'Aaron Fox and the impact DeMontis Sabonis had 
as well as the Sacramento Kings bench players. But first, we have to talk about our sponsors in Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on that action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. De'Aaron Fox has dominated this series and especially in the fourth quarter. In game number one, Fox with 15 points in the fourth quarter, accompanied by Malik Monk there with 13 points in game number one. And in game number two, De'Aaron Fox followed back with another double-digit fourth quarter performance with 11 points, but this time his co-partner in the fourth quarter, Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes has had a great series so far. This is definitely personal for Harrison Barnes after the 2016 NBA Finals where he could not hit a three to save his life. And he remembers that. Uh, the animosity between him and Draymond Green. Again, Harrison Barnes being the at, excuse me, for the wedding again. We all remember the story. Draymond Green was not invited to that wedding for Harrison Barnes, the only teammate from the Golden State Warriors that was not there. And he is having a series. But back to my original point, De'Aaron Fox, well, as someone who used to work for NBC Sports California last season, Seeing De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, I knew that it was going to be a hard duo to stop and that the Kings were on the rise. And De'Aaron Fox was a clutch player towards the end of last season. I remember he was on the streak of, I want to say, 20-point games. Man, he was just doing something else. Uh, if I can, I think I might still have it. Uh, well, yeah, last season, I remember I still have this graphic on my phone, he had 44-point games uh, to close out the last season multiple times against the Mavericks. And just progressing from that well-deserved award for De'Aaron Fox for his clutchness. But DeMontis Sabonis also, in game number one, wasn't really a factor. Kevon Looney did a great job of being able to stop him as much as he could. But in the second game, Sabonis was able to be the DeMontis Sabonis that he has been this entire season. He finished with 24 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, all-star like numbers there, and just like his all-star season this year. And for that to happen, it took Draymond Green getting ejected in the fourth quarter. It took foul trouble there for Kevon Looney, who again, I said earlier, had five fouls, and Kevon Looney with six points and seven rebounds in game two. That's an issue there. The Warriors had to go small. We saw 50 seconds of Jamichael Green uh, once both Green, that's Draymond Green, and 
Kevon Looney were in foul trouble. The Warriors had to go small and... The most consistent player off the bench this entire series has been Gary Payton II on the Warriors' side. Game 2, he scored 13 points, 5 of 6, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. He's been a factor, 2 steals for GP2. And in game number 1, let's look at GP2's stats. He, let's see, as I pull up the box score here from game number 1, 4 for 7 for GP2, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and another 2 steals. He's been the most consistent guy off of the bench. And Dante DiVincenzo was nowhere to be found in Game 2. Played 12 minutes, 39 seconds. Did not attempt a single shot in this contest. Not a single shot. And that is the storyline going into Game number 3. What are the Warriors going to do to stop DeMontis Sabonis when Kevon Looney is in foul trouble. You're down Draymond Green. The story here is who's going to be in Steve Kerr's starting lineup. I mean, Jonathan Kaminga has been unplayable this series. Game one, Jonathan Kaminga, nine minutes, 45 seconds. I think he provided a pretty good spark. Eight points for JK, three of six shooting. 0 for 2 from beyond the arc, 2 of 3 from the free throw line. Game 2 for Jonathan Kaminga. Only saw less than 4 minutes in this contest. And, let's see, only recorded 1 rebound. I think the success you had with JK in the first game, you gotta insert him to the starting lineup in game number 3. There definitely needs to be a rotation shift here. Do you start Dante DiVincenzo once again? That's what happened in game one. Andrew Wiggins, again, in the starting lineup in game number two. And I think he's been consistent uh, since he's come back into this Warriors lineup to start off against the Sacramento Kings. Now, Andrew Wiggins, 17 points in game one. He had four blocks, which were amazing on the defensive end. Three rebounds, one assist. Game two, we look at Andrew Wiggins, 22 points. He's been the most consistent player in this game. Or in this series so far, I would have to say alongside Gary Payton II. For the starters, and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Steph Curry, game number one, a quiet and efficient game number one for Steph. He hit some clutch shots when he needed to hit it. 6 of 14 from beyond the arc for the chef with 30 points. Game number two, it was a different story for Stephen Curry. 28 points, but he went 3 of 13 from beyond the arc, an uncharacteristic 3 of 13. And if Steph can just hit these three-point shots, the Warriors are in this game, in this series. Game number one got away from the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion. This should be a series tied at 1-1. Warriors had a 10-point lead, right? And there's this crucial part closing out the first half. Kings make a little bit of a run there in game number two. The same thing happened to close out the first half. It stuck out to me. Steph Curry gets a turnover there. Uh, King score on the other end. Falling possession. Jacks up a three-point shot. Misses. And the Kings go into the half uh, with, with the Warriors there struggling, right? They went into halftime here in game number two. Let's see what the score was. If I can pull this up. Game two. Uh, Warriors at 50 
and Sacramento Kings were able to extend that lead there heading into the second half and it was just at that point where man king's going to run at another six points here 58 52 to close out the first half it was just something that the kings built their momentum in at the golden one center and off that bench the malik monk just the factor he has played this entire series off the bench their best player off the bench Malik Monk, 32 points in game one. We remember him, the combo of him and De'Aaron Fox. 38 for Fox once again, 32 for Monk. And then in game two, the Warriors did a good job, I would say, of holding Malik Monk, holding him to as much as possible of 18 points. You know, he got to the free throw line only four times compared to him getting to the line 14 times in game one. So that was a bit of a difference there but Sacramento was able to adjust and have a more controlled team environment in terms of who was scoring the points right you see 24 points from Fox but off the bench Monk 18 but Davion Mitchell also had 14 Harrison Barnes with 13 Sabonis had his all-star light game and there's two narratives here that I see the series going so far the Warriors in game one, especially, were up and they gave up the lead. The Kings were hitting three-point shots that they shouldn't hit in Trey Lyles. And Alex Len balled out there out of his mind in game one. Like These role players were just doing things that they don't normally do. Similar to what we saw in the Boston, Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals last year where Al Horford was just making all these crazy threes to start off the series. That's kind of like what's happening here. And in game number two, like I said, Malik Monk not um, didn't go for a 30-point game, which is great for the Golden State Warriors. But the point I'm trying to make here is Sacramento is doing all of this while not shooting amazing from the three-point line as a team, which is scary because Sacramento can be hot. They're not shooting like the Sacramento Kings team that we've seen them in the regular season. We know Sacramento can shoot better from the three-point line, so that's a scary thing. 12 of 32 in game one for Sacramento from beyond the arc. That's 37%. In game number two, Sacramento from the three-point line shot only 23%. They started the game off, if I remember correctly, one of 10 because they started off... Uh, Game 1, 0 for 10 to start it off, but despite the three-point shooting, they're still able to win. And that's the most frustrating part for the Warriors. And the most frustrating part for the Golden State Warriors team is the turnovers. But if I were to guess in game number two, if I was just watching, I would say they had close to 30 turnovers. And they were just telegraphed passes which were absolutely frustrating so far in this series game number one for the Warriors 15 turnovers resulting in 16 Sacramento Kings points game two turnovers for the Warriors 22 resulting in 25 points off turnovers for the Kings when you contrast that, they forced Sacramento to 13 turnovers in Game 1 and 14 turnovers in Game 2. But the downside to all of this is they only scored 5 points off turnovers in Game 1 for the Warriors and only 9 points off turnovers 
in game number two this is a fast-paced young sacramento kings team and that was a factor heading into the series and we see it here especially in transition De'Aaron fox malik monk harrison barnes are just throwing down dunks in transition game number one alex len a couple of dunks there it's just hard to defeat a team that is so young and quick and fast and wants to push that pace and these telegraphed passes i think are more telegraphed because Mike Brown knows the play calling of Steve Kerr. They know the system. It's the read and react type of offense, not necessarily a play that's coming out unless it's a usually uh, after timeout type of plays. You know, St Mike Brown has outcoached Steve Kerr. It is the person he mentored taking over the teacher, right? The torch has been passed. Sacramento is lighting the beam, and it's just ironic there that the torch has been passed if we're talking about lighting here. But back to the point, Sacramento, it they have outplayed the Warriors, out-hustled the Warriors, outsmarted the Warriors. And now you're in a situation where Draymond Green has been baited by DeMontis Sabonis, and we've seen Draymond Green in the past say that he can decide when he baits someone and that he does a good job of doing so. But as someone that has gotten baited himself, it comes at the most inopportune times. Like, we remember the Steven Adams kick. We remember him and LeBron James, him getting injected in 2016. And now, this game number three coming up. For this Warriors dynasty, it could all crumble. Sacramento has a chance of putting the defending champs down 3-0 and ultimately ending this dynasty. Questions for the offseason. What's going to happen to Draymond Green? Are they are the Golden State Warriors going to trade Jordan Poole? Bob Myers, is he going to get a contract extension? Is this really the last dance for the Golden State Warriors? This series has so much to do, not only with going back to back, but keeping the dynasty, the core together. And when I say the core, it's Draymond Green potentially leaving once the season is over, opting out of that contract. And for Bob Myers to stay and build this team are we going to see bob myers re-sign with the golden state warriors and i know this is all stuff that needs to be answered in the offseason and speaking of that jordan Poole, he has been awful this series to put it nicely jordan Poole has also been unplayable and that's going to be key we need jordan Poole. Jonathan Kaminga or the both of them ideally to step up and be a factor with Draymond Green being out. Do the Warriors go extremely small and go with a lineup of Steph, GP2, Wiggins, uh, Clay Thompson, and Kevon Looney without Draymond Green? Or do they roll it out and go Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Wiggins, Kaminga, and Looney? Looney's your only center. We assume we'll have to see... Jamichael Green come into this series. We saw good minutes off Moses Moody the last game in game two when he had to come in. Moody had four points. But 
the way you look at it, the Warriors really needs that guy to step up, right? Jordan Poole with four points, one of seven, three rebounds, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc in game two. And hey, Clay said that essentially Jordan Poole is playing off of one leg. Well, if you're out there, you're good to go. I don't want to hear any excuses. 17 points, 4 of 10, 2 of 5, 7 of 8 from the free throw line is what Jordan Poole had in game one till he rolled his ankle there in that third quarter and didn't play too much of that fourth quarter, if I remember here correctly. Let's see how many minutes he played in the fourth quarter. Jordan Poole with only 6 minutes and 27 seconds. Of action there went 0 for 2 in game one after he rolled his ankle there in that third quarter. Now we're gonna have to see the Jordan Poole that we saw from last year's playoffs against the Celtics and early on against the Denver Nuggets, where Seth Curry had to come off the bench. Do you start and go small there again? If you put Jordan Poole in the starting lineup with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and have that playoff pool from last season be reignited. Now, reality has to set in sometimes here, and can the Warriors win game number three? Of course they can. There's always a possibility of hope with any team, especially this Golden State Warriors team that has proven they can come back from 3-1 down against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But they're also a team that blew a 3-1 lead. And so far, again, this year, Warriors 10-31 and on the road. And we've seen that translate into the playoffs. We wanted to see that switch flip. And they close out the season winning 8 out of their 10 regular season games. But can they do so in the playoffs? And so far that answer has been no. They are the same team they were in the regular season. And now they have a chance to tie it up with two games at home at Chase Center. Of course, you got to win both games. Go back to a hostile crowd in Sacramento for game number five. But if we're giving anyone and any team in history a benefit of the doubt to if they can do it, it would be this Golden State Warriors team. And when I opened this show, I said, first time in history under the Steve Kerr era that the Warriors are down 0-2 in a series. This is just another test of them. Last season was an improbable championship. No one thought they could do it. Can they do it in back-to-back seasons again? taking on this young Sacramento Kings team. And if the Warriors are lucky enough to get out of this series and advance to the second round, this is going to be the hardest offense the Warriors will face here. And I will say this in the Western Conference. You're going to get Memphis or the Lakers in game number two. And I don't think they have the same firepower offense that the Sacramento Kings have. Mike Brown's going to win coach of the year. He's created an amazing atmosphere there. But we got to go back to the point here of Draymond Green and the impact he had on this series. Helping stop DeMontis Sabonis, him and Kevon Looney in game number one. Did a great job in game number two for Draymond Green. His numbers before he got ejected, eight points, four rebounds, five assists, one steal. He also was part of a high of five turnovers, though, alongside Steph Curry. But him and Kevon Looney, they're going to be tasked of guarding DeMontis Sabonis. And Sabonis scored at will there in Game 2. And it was blatantly obvious that DeMontis Sabonis was getting calls that he shouldn't have deserved. There was that late off, There was that late play there that everyone is talking about where he shoved Kevon Looney in the back, grabbed the rebound, and threw down the dunk. 
and it was just the referee was just there in the baseline it was right in front of them did not blow the whistle should have been an over the back an offensive foul and we saw the play too when we look back at it of the whole Draymond Green situation DeMontis Sabonis was pushing Clay Thompson grabbing onto his jersey and was trying to take him down but there was no call there and from something I saw um, on NBA Central, and I think it was this report was from Zach Lowe, is that the Warriors, let's find it here, if I can scroll and find it, that I think it was something to go along with, here we go, the Warriors feel like DeMontis Sabonis is using the ball as a weapon on offense, there is some anger to those inside the Warriors organization towards the league there's a sense that Sabonis is shoving people on offensive rebounds and playing with his elbows out and using the ball as a weapon on offense and the Warriors are down and this just sounds like a lot of complaining but when you have Draymond Green ejected and you have DeMontis Sabonis playing like this and the Warriors not getting the calls of course you're going to complain because it's hard to come back when there's not a even playing field and, you know, the Joe Dumars, the head of the council there, I think, of NBA officiating, you know, part Draymond Green's mentor uh, there growing up in Saginaw, Michigan. We know him being part of the bad boys there in Detroit. Just the irony of him announcing that he was going to be suspending Draymond Green. For everything there that happened with DeMontis Sabonis, excuse me for that. Um, it's just a difficult scene for the Warriors players to cope with. But Bob Myers put it um, in good words. He held a press conference today saying that they can complain as much as they can, as much as they want. But it won't change the fact that Draymond Green will not be available for Game 3. So what is just your... The organization's instant reaction to you know the decision to suspend him and, and what was the communication level with the league over i guess leading up to it yeah, the league texted me the night of and said if we need to talk to you we'll let you know and that they needed to speak to draymond and i they don't they didn't need to talk to me and so they told me uh last night they called me and said he's suspended which you know i in their defense what do they care what i have to say i mean they know what i'm going to say so they don't make they don't they don't need me to make the decision. So uh, as far as how we felt, you know, we've been here before and we got we got to play a game tomorrow night. It, once these decisions are made, there's no appellate court. It's over. So you can react however you want to react. But but it doesn't change the fact he's not playing and we got we got a game tomorrow night. Do you think that a suspension was fair in this regard? Well, I know you got to ask, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter what any of you think. Doesn't matter what I think, because um, it's, it's over. You know, I got to focus on getting our team, whatever I can do to help the guys. Spoke to Draymond last night about it. Told him that when he shows up today, it's got to be about the team and helping him win. It's not about whether he should or shouldn't have been suspended. That doesn't help anyone. Um, like I said, they don't go back. Once these decisions are made, they're done. So, you know, you feel however you feel, but I don't. I understand you got to ask, but it doesn't really matter. Simply put there, Bob Myers is right. We can feel the way we feel. 
the Warriors organization can be mad at the suspension, but it's not going to change anything. They just got to c- come out tomorrow and play like their season is on the line because it is. And they know that. The Warriors are at home. They have one of the best NBA records at home. They play like a completely different team once they're at Chase Center. I know the fans are going to be rocking tomorrow. The gold-blooded yellow shirts are going to be handed out. That arena is going to be packed in yellow. And I am putting out a PSA here. I need the Golden State Warriors fans. I need Dub Nation to show out if you're going to the game. Pack it like it was at Oracle. Act like it was at Oracle. Wave those yellow towels. Wear the yellow shirts. I know they've had the bad reputation of the tech bros and whatnot. Man, if you're sitting down there in the lower level, please wear your yellow t-shirts, man. It's a playoff environment. We want to have the home field as much as possible. And I guarantee you E40 is going to be in the house tomorrow sitting courtside in Chase Center. And they're going to be pumping some E40 in practice today, before the game starts tomorrow, in the arena tomorrow, DJ D Sharp is going to be on fire with that track list for E40, and the Warriors are going to come back. I guarantee you this, the Warriors are going to make this a series. They're going to win tomorrow night at Chase Center. They're going to have that lineup. They're going to have the strategy, and I think Steve Kerr is going to do something in the lineup, significant to the range of when he inserted Andre Iguodala, when he inserted David Lee into past playoff series, I am going to predict that Jonathan Kaminga will see 25-plus minutes tomorrow, and he is the X factor in this series, that card that Steve Kerr did not want to pull out until they were desperate, until they needed a must-win situation, and unfortunately, they need it early in the series, and this is what they need. That is it for this episode of Strength and Numbers, playoff edition series against the Sacramento Kings. Warriors down 2-0. They look to make it a 2-1 series tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Chase Center. Once again, folks, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Strength and Numbers. The Warriors playoff series continues tomorrow night in Chase Center. And two games here at Chase of course, Thursday at 7 p.m. Then they'll play Sunday at 1.30. And then hopefully the series is tied at 2-2 as they head back to Sacramento. This is Brandon Keyes, and this has been another episode of Strength in Numbers. We got to close it out as we always do here. And until next time, go Dubs! show is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.